Well, good morning to you. It's so good to see you this morning. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, we are so glad that you came to worship with us today. Uh, we know that uh, with school starting back and uh, with college back in session, that a lot of you have been extremely busy over the past couple of weeks, and uh, we're glad you took time out of your busy schedule to be here on this Lord's Day. I hope that you picked up a uh, bulletin on the way in. All the announcements there are very important. Uh, of course, I want to call your attention to um, tomorrow night's Locust Fall Festival. We're going to start planning tomorrow night, 630, uh, in the Fellowship Hall. So I hope that uh, you'll be a part of that. Uh, even though it is a, a group of churches in our area that plan that, generally our church carries a heavy load in that. So uh, we need all the help we can get, all the uh, fresh minds and fresh ideas. So I want to encourage you to be here for that uh, tomorrow evening. Also, you'll notice in there that uh, our children's church area is in is in the process of uh, being uh, taken care of and expanded and all that good stuff. And we have some uh, we have some things that we're going to be needing in that room and how you can be a part of uh, blessing the church with meeting those needs is in your bulletin. So you can, you can find that announcement in there. Um, there's uh, some wish lists that have been created where you can go there and see the items that are needed to actually order them right there uh, on those, those websites. So I hope you'll be a part of that. Thank, I want to say thank you to everyone who came out yesterday to help us uh, start enlarging that area. Thank you so much. Uh, we had a great group of people here. We had a good time doing what we did. Uh, we we enjoyed each other's company. Uh, I mean, we put uh, we had Kelton toting chairs, and uh, we, I think the whole Hartzell family was out there around uh, helping uh, in some way, shape, fashion, or form. And so, uh, and all the other guys that showed up, thank you so much. We appreciate your help. Uh, you guys were amazing yesterday. Uh, we got a lot done. Uh, there's still a good bit more to do, but a lot was done. And so that new children's church area, we're going to have it up and running and ready to go the first Sunday in November. So uh, please uh, check that out on these websites and see if there's something there that you would like uh, to be a part of gifting uh, to help us get that room ready. Uh, I know uh, as far as talking about children's church, uh, Zach needs to meet with all of our nursery and children's church workers for just a second uh, at the end of service because he's got the schedules for everybody that he wants to be able to hand out. So if you are a nursery worker or a uh, children's church worker, uh, please make sure you meet with him immediately following service today. But it's good to see you. Thank you for being here. We're going to take just a moment to uh, pray together. Uh, then we're going to uh, jump into uh, worshiping through song together. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in this house of worship. Lord, we know that uh, we're not here by accident, but that every one of us in this room is here by divine appointment. Long before this day was ever placed upon a calendar, Lord, you understood that it would come and that this would be the day that you would gather each of us together in this room. And there's a purpose behind it, Lord, and we, we want your purpose to be fulfilled. We want your will to be carried out. So, Lord, we just pray that as we go through our time together, 
whether it's through our fellowship with one another, our singing together, uh, our, our gathering around your word to study, Lord, whatever it may be that we do in this place today, that your divine and holy will will be carried out, that the name of Jesus will be exalted above every name, because we know, Lord, that it's only at the name of Jesus that men can and must be saved. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for this opportunity. Guide us as we worship is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning.
Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you again this day, another week, and we bring to you our tithes and offerings in response to all of the many blessings you give us every single day. It is in this respect of your blessings that we come and we honor you with these tithes and our offerings. Please be with Tommy as he brings your message today. Be with Nancy as she leads us in worship. And please lay on the hearts of the congregation to go from here and do your work in the world. In the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
God, that you are so good. You are invited to be seated. I'm just curious, how many of you can say you've tasted of the goodness of God this week? You know, when there's something about that song um, that speaks volumes to my heart, I know, because um, if you take a moment to pause and look back, you start realizing just how good God has been to you. Some of you in this room have walked through some of the darkest nights. You've fought some of the most fierce battles. You've stood in hard places and lonely places You have endured difficult things. And as you have emerged from the other side or are emerging from the other side, you can look back and you can say, God was good to me. That he brought me out of it. He didn't leave me in the middle of it. The goodness of God. When the doctor says the word you don't want to hear, God's still good. When, when everything seems to be going the opposite direction of what you hoped and prayed that it would, God is still good. When, when the difficulties get so hard that you just don't want to get up out of bed in the morning, God is still good. You know, we hadn't done this in a long time. Let's just, let's do something. Can we sing the goodness of God again? Just the goodness of God? No, the, the song. The whole song. But here's what I want to ask you to do. Here's what I want to ask you to do while we're singing it, okay? I want you to take just 30 seconds right now. And I want you to think back on this week. When it got hard... And God was good. I want you to think back on this week. This week. When it got hard. And God was good. 
and then sing that song. Because I want to tell you something. If, if you've walked through that difficult time, if you've stood in that hospital room, if you've walked by that graveside, if you've visited that doctor's office, if you have wept in the middle of the night and God was good to you, then you've got something to sing here. Well, I don't like that song. That's one of those fast contemporary songs. And I, I'll tell you, it ain't about the music. It isn't about the beat. It's about the words. Will you listen and sing it one more time? And if God's been good to you, sing about that goodness. Will you do that? Let's stand together. Let's sing that.
Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Penny, for being willing to come back to the piano. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, would you join me in 1 Kings chapter 18? And I just and you just got set down good and had you stand back up. Man, I'll lie. Thank you for being willing to stand back up. Thank you for letting me worship. Even if you didn't get to worship in that song, thank you for letting me worship during that song. 1 Kings chapter 18. Today, I want to bring you a, kind of a standalone message. Uh, we're going to be starting a new series in September. and to, It's entitled Greater, by the way. That's the, the, the uh, series we'll be starting uh, in September. But today, I want to share with you from 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to read the first two verses, and then we're going to jump to verse 17 and read down through 40. I know it's a lot of scripture, but... It, it's, it's showing us the power and the majesty of the God that we, that we serve. In chapter 18, 1 Kings, verse number 1 says, Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. Verse 2 says, So Elijah went to show himself to Ahab, now, the famine was severe in Samaria. Let's jump, jump to verse number 17. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and you have followed the Baals. Now, then send and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 
450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent a message among all the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left as a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and I will not put fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God, little g, by the way, and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God who answers by fire. He is God. And all the people said, that's a good idea. So Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one ox for yourself and prepare it first, for you are many, and call on the name of your God and but put no fire under it. And then they took the ox which was given them, and they prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they leaped about the altar which they made. It came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Call out with a loud voice, for he is a god. Either he is occupied or gone aside. He's on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. So they cried with a loud voice, and they cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was passed, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, but there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. So with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood, and he cut the ox in pieces. He laid it on the wood, and he said, Fill four pitchers with water, and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time, and they did it a second time. And then he said, Do it a third time, and they did it a third time. And the water flowed around the altar and also filled the trench with water. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant, and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal and do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there.
Let's pray. Lord, we come humbly into your presence, knowing that the very one we speak with right now is the one who sent that fire on Mount Carmel when Elijah prayed. Lord, we we understand and we we confess that it, it wasn't Elijah's prayer that brought the fire. It was you. It was your power. It was your majesty. And we thank you, Lord, that you are still answering prayer with fire. We thank you, Lord, that you still send your power when your people pray. Lord, in these next moments that we have together, we pray that you open our hearts and our minds, that as we study your word, Lord, that once again we will find ourselves standing on that place of decision as these Israelites did on that day on Mount Carmel. And that, Lord, that we will answer as they answered. The Lord, He is God. And may that be the foundation of who we are and what we do from this point forward. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Elijah was an ordinary man. Yes, he was a great prophet. Yes, we read of how God used him to accomplish great things. But at the end of the day, Elijah was flesh and blood, just like you are, flesh and blood. If you cut him, he bled. He was a man that grew hungry when it was time to eat, who grew tired when it was time to sleep. He was an ordinary man. But something amazing happened in Elijah's life when we are introduced to him in chapter 17 of 1 Kings. And that very first verse of chapter 17, we're simply told that he is Elijah the Tishbite. That's what we're told. He's Elijah the Tishbite. Just like if someone called your name and then the, the town or, or the, the city where you were born, they would say that of you. It's just a, it's just a identifying moniker. Elijah the Tishbite. But by the time we get to chapter 17 verse 24, he is not known as Elijah the Tishbite. He's known as Elijah, a man of God. A transformation had taken place in Elijah's life. You see, something amazing had happened. God had taken an ordinary man who got hungry when it was time to eat and tired when it was time to sleep. If you cut him, he bled. God found an ordinary man who was imperfect. He had his flaws and his faults. An ordinary man. But God in his work in transforming Elijah made him into a man of God. And that's the same desire, by the way, that he has for you and he has for me. 
You look in the mirror and you say, I'm just the ordinary Joe. I'm just, I'm just somebody that does a certain job every day. I get up, I go to work, or I go to school, I do my thing, I come home, I, you know, I'm tired, I eat, and I go to bed. I'm just the ordinary person. But I want you to see that God can take an ordinary person, and when He puts the call on you, which He has if you're a believer, He can transform you from being just an ordinary person to being a person of God. And now he is facing his biggest and most dangerous assignment yet. Now comes the battle of the gods. After three long years of no rain, after three long years of of watching the life source of water dry up from the land. God is about to do something and he's going to need a man of God in order to accomplish it. Now listen, he could have chosen anyone that was under his call to be here. He chose Elijah. Elijah just was the fortunate one that God gave this assignment to. During that three years, because there's been no rain, Ahab has saw Elijah as the problem. He has hunted him, and Elijah has spent three years running from Ahab and hiding from him. And finally, after three years of running and hiding, one day God taps Elijah on the shoulder, and he says, Now, he's hunted you long enough. I want you to go to him. Go show yourself to Ahab. The showdown is set, and God intends to prove once and for all that He is the sovereign power of the universe. He intends to show once and for all that He, and He alone, is worthy of praise, honor, and glory. So there's two phases that I want us to see to this proof that he's about to give. Uh, and, and, and they're so simple. I, I, don't, I don't think we can miss them, but I, I do want us to go through them. The first one is the preparation. There was, there was something that had to happen before the fire could fall. There was preparation that had to be made. There was a series of steps that God wanted them to go through in order for him to to, to set the, the proper stage for him to show his power. And, and I would say to us that it's no different that as God is preparing to do something through us, as God is preparing to use us to show the, His love and His power and His grace to the world, there's certain steps He's going to ask us to go through to prepare for Him to do what only He can do. I want you to see the first thing they had to do is they had to have the right audience. And so in, in verses 19 and 20, we saw that, that the people of Israel were called together. That all of those who claimed the, uh, to be Israelite from birth, they were called to the top of this mountain. And they were called so that they could witness firsthand what God was going to do. But they weren't the only ones called to the top of that mountain that day. Also called to the top of that mountain was 
the, the prophets of Baal and the, and, and the prophets of Asherah. They were 850 of them all total. Now we have this gathering on the mountainside. The audience has been assembled. On one side, there are those who claim to be the people of God. And, and they're standing there watching. And on the other side, we see those who claim that their God is the real God and the true God. And that Baal and Asherah, that they are the ones that are worthy of worship. So I want you to see that gathered on that mountain were two different and totally opposite audiences so we have prophets and priests of Baal we have all of the worshipers of Baal we have Israel on the other side and in the middle stands Elijah so the audience has been assembled it's not just those who who claim to know God, but it's also those who claim that he isn't God. The anti-God crowd is gathered with the pro-God crowd, if you want to call it that. But here's the problem. They were double-minded. They claimed that they were people of God. They bore his moniker. The children of Israel. They carried his banner. But obviously something was going wrong in their life. Because once we have the audience assembled, we have an accusation that is leveled against them. Look at verse 21 again, because Elijah came near to the people, and here's what he said to them. How long will you hesitate between two opinions? Double-minded how long are you going to hesitate between two opinions? Let's, in other words, he's saying, get on one side of the fence or the other. If the Lord, he is God, then serve him. And if Baal is God, then serve him. But quit playing the middle. Quit riding on the fence. Quit claiming one thing, but doing another thing. Quit, quit saying this, but doing that. He's called them to a point of decision. He pointed to their idolatry and he called their loyalty into question. And so he sets the stage. He, he, he says that today's going to be a day of decision for everyone on the, this mountaintop. Everyone on this mountaintop on this day is going to make a choice. If it is, if, if the Lord, He is God, we're going to follow Him. And if He's not, then we're going to follow the other. But one way or another, we're going to get off the fence today. We're going to stop pretending. We're going to stop playing. We're going to stop saying one thing and doing another thing. And so He, He's calling them to make a decision. The, the sadness that we face today is that for so many people, they, they can't tell whether a person is a believer or not by just watching their life. Because what that person who's, who may claim to be a believer, the way they're living their life is no different than 
those who obviously and proclaim so do not follow God. And they can't tell the difference. That's what's happening here. You could have just as easily run some of those from the Israel side over to the Baal side and you, and you would have not questioned it because they act that way. You could have taken some from the Baal side, run them over to the Israel side, and, and nobody would have questioned it because they act the same way. In, in other words, while there's two separate groups on the side of that mountain, they were living the same life. And God says it's time to make a choice. It's time to choose. I think it's always been God's desire for His people to be markedly different from the world. And, and, and I, I think he, he wants us to be markedly different, not because... He wants us to somehow, some way, be better than someone else. But because he wants to show the lost world the difference. We can't, we can't claim to be this. And hold on to the beliefs and the values of this. Does that make sense? That, 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 that's, that's what, that's, really, that's what God is saying here to the Israelites. You say you're this. But when I, but when I examine your heart, when I examine your life, when I examine what you hold dear in your life and, and, and how the, the values that drive you, you look like this. So he's called them to this mountaintop to make a choice. To, to make a decision. One way or another. At the end of the day, there was going to be no more riding the fence. So you have the preparation that had to take place. But then... I want you to see the presentation of the proof. Elijah is given a plan. I don't believe he came up with this by himself. I don't think this is something that he conjured up. Or I, I think this is the plan God gave him. And the plan is presented. There's no tricks. There's no gimmicks. It's going to be a head-to-head competition. Everything is going to be equal on its face value. There's going to be no. There's going to be no. Uh, there's going to be no advantages to one side or the other. We're going to have a head-to-head competition once and for all. We're going to decide which God is God. And the people said, "Hey, that's a good idea. Okay, we'll go for that." Baal was worshipped as the god of the sun. They called him the fire of the universe. If anybody was going to send fire on behalf of the team of, uh, of the false prophets, it was going to be Baal. He was their man. He was, the, he was the god of fire, the god of the sun. If ever there was one that could bring fire from heaven out of all of their gods, it was going to be Baal. He was the one. 
If anybody can do it, he can do it. And so they had their champion. But what they didn't realize is they were going head to head with the God of the universe who created the very son that they claim was their God. On one side, the fire of the universe. On the other side, the Jehovah God, the master of all things. And now he has given them a reasonable test. So a plan is presented. Everybody says, that hey, we're going to play equal. You get this, uh, everybody gets an oxen. We, everybody gets a, a t- wood to build an altar with. Everyone gets the stones to help build the altar. Everyone gets the, the same thing. But there's one thing neither of us get, and that's fire. I love it that he even lets them go first. That he even says, okay, I tell you what. You choose your oxen first, so there's no question that I've got some special oxen out there hanging around. And I want you to build your altar first, so there's no question that somehow I built this special, unique thing that you can't build. I want you to build yours first, and I want you to, to, to do, do your prayers first. So the prayers are offered. Oh, can I back up here? You know what that proves to me? Everybody prays. Even lost people pray. They pray amiss. They pray they pray in the wrong direction, but they pray. From morning until evening. They danced, they sang, they yelled, they hollered, they screamed. They did everything that they knew to do to try to get the attention of Baal. But verse 29 simply says that when that was all said and done, uh, look, there was no voice, no one answered, and no one paid attention. They were screaming to the air, yelling to the air. They were crying to the air. They were praying to the air. They were, they were shouting to the air. They even began to mutilate their, their own bodies in, in the frenzy of trying to get their God to pay attention. And can I tell you something? We have the same thing today. We have people that mutilate their bodies. They, 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 they use whatever they can to try to get the attention of their God. It might be drugs, it might be alcohol, it might be pornography, it might be gambling, it, it, it might be actual cutting themselves. It could be anything and everything, but they're all doing the same thing. They're crying out to some unknown God, listen to me, help me. And just like happened in this case, there's no answer. Because when the high is over and the, the, the bender is over and the computer is shut off and the last bet is made and the last cut is sliced, they are in just as much pain as they were when they started. And they still have no answers. They're right back where they started. They're in absolute exhaustion now. They're panting. They're bleeding. They're humiliated. Elijah 
repairs the altar. They even broke the altar. They were climbing on it, jumping on it, standing on it. They were doing everything they could to appease their God, to do something to help them, and nothing happened. So Elijah repaired the altar. He ordered that 12 pitchers of water from the Mediterranean Sea be poured over that altar so that everything, everything was soaked with salt water. So there can be no question that when, when God answers, there's no question that it was God who did it. It wasn't Elijah. It wasn't a trick. It wasn't some kind of manipulation. It was the real God who answered. And he wanted to make sure they knew that. And so there was water everywhere. And Elijah prayed a very simple prayer. Verse 36. He said, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac... In Israel, by the way, he's, he's talking about, he's calling the names of their forefathers. He's calling the name of the people that they say that they're descendants of. He said, the God of those people, let it be known today that you're the God in Israel and that I'm your servant. And I've done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that the people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have Turn their heart back again. A simple prayer. But it was a prayer of faith. I believe with all of my heart that as Elijah was praying that prayer next to that altar, he was backing up. <laughs> Don't want to get too close when that fireballs. Oh, Lord, show them that you're the one true God. Lord, show them. You're the God of Israel. I believe he's backing up while he's praying that prayer. Because he believes, back up, he knows fire is about to fall. Now, I don't know if he understood the extent of everything that was about to happen. I don't know if he fully understood everything that God had planned that day. Maybe he thought, well, with the water and everything, that when the fire fell, that just keep everything else from catching on fire. Maybe he's just doing a little, uh, you know, smoky bear thing, you know, preventing forest fires with the, with the water. I, I don't know what he thought was going to take place with the water, but... God did something, I, I, I got to kind of believe that even Elijah found absolutely amazing. No shouting, no pleading, no screaming, no frenzied activity, just a prayer of faith. God, prove you are Lord, you and you alone. Verse 38, the fire fell. The fire of the Lord fell. Man alive. It was immediate. I mean, he, I can't even find where he said amen. I, I don't even think he, I don't even think he had a chance to, to, to finish the prayer. That no sooner had he prayed what, what God was listening for and what God chose to honor when, as soon as he prayed it as, as, as Elijah is, is looking toward heaven, suddenly and immediately fire 
fail. The response was immediate. It was a consuming fire. That response was beyond uh, the imagination. It burnt not just the, 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 the sacrifice, but it, then it burnt the altar. It burnt the rocks. It burnt the wood. It burnt the, uh, the, the oxen. It even burnt the, it even licked up water. If you ever wanted to see dust burn, you could have saw it that day. Man. And all the people could say on that day. And I listen, I wasn't there. It doesn't tell me this is what happened. Maybe this is me, my mind's eye embellishing a little bit. But whatever that crowd and number was right here, I believe that no sooner had that fire failed than they hit their knees. And they looked toward heaven and they cried, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Their hearts were turned back. The prophets were done away with. You see, here's, here's one thing I've, I've, I've come to understand. That the, that the gods of this world, they want you to come to them. But when we pray in faith, the God of creation comes to us. There's three lessons I want us to take away from this. And I'm done. The first lesson is simply this. That divided allegiance leads to idolatry. You can't serve two masters. Jesus made that calm, very, very plain, didn't he? You're either for me or you're against me. Either either scattering or you're gathering. I mean, you, you're, you're doing one of the two. You, there is no middle ground. Life may seem like it has a lot of gray areas, but can I tell you something? When it comes to our walk with Christ, there is no gray area. Can't serve two masters. Get on one side of the fence or the other. Figure out which side you want to be on and get on it because... Even in the book of Revelation, as Jesus is speaking to the church of Laodicea, he said, I just want to spit you out. You're lukewarm. You make me sick. Be hot, be cold, be one or the other, but, but choose. Joshua said the same thing when they stood on the threshold of the promised land. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. If it's the gods on the other side of the river, then, then, then fine. But if it's the, if it's the God that, that has delivered us, then serve Him. But do one or the other. So that first lesson is just simply divided allegiance leads to idolatry. The second lesson is that our most effective tool is the prayer of faith. I get it. We use it as a last resort, but... God wants us to use it as our first response. The most effective tool that you have is the prayer of faith. When people say to me, well, I can't do a whole lot, but I can pray for you, I say, well, that's the greatest thing you can do for me. That's the greatest thing anybody can do for you is to pray for you, to stand before the God of heaven who created all things, who has all power, all knowledge, all wisdom, and to call your name. There is nothing greater that you could do. And then lastly, never, never underestimate the power of one totally 
dedicated life. Elijah stood alone on that mountaintop. 850 prophets. Ahab was standing there who claimed to be the king of Israel, but yet we knew which camp he belonged in. But yet, even though he was outnumbered, he stood tall and he prevailed by faith in his God. You know, you can make a difference where, right where God has you. You think, well, I'm just one person. And man, I'll tell you, you just don't know all the people I work with and all the junk they have and, you know, that's going on in their life and all the, the wonky beliefs that they've got. Oh, yeah, you can. Be an Elijah on Mount Carmel. Be an Elijah where you are. questions I close with is how long will you hesitate between two opinions if the Lord is God then serve him don't don't play around with it don't play around with it don't pretend and would you be that one totally dedicated life that God can use Would you be that one dedicated life that God can use? Now, we know what happened. Elijah found himself in the, being on the run after this. (laughs) And he stood before God and he said, God, I'm the only one left. And God said, no, you're not. I've got 7,000 more that have not bowed the knee to Baal. But God only needed one on the mountain. That was Elijah. He had 7,000 more that he could have called on. He had 7,000 more that was waiting in the wings. He had 7,000 more that he could have sent with that assignment. But he sent Elijah. And that one dedicated life on top of that mountain made the difference. So how long will you halt between two opinions? How long will you stand there and claim this? But live like this. You say, well, I, I do my very best, Tommy. I, I, I try to live the life that God wants me to live, and I try to live a life that is pleasing to Him. Praise God for that. If, you're that, if, you're, if you do that, but will you be that one? Will you be the one that will stand up against all the others? And be willing to say, this is what God says, and this is... This is This is who God is. One dedicated life. In just a moment, we'll stand, we'll sing. This is our time to kind of choose what we're going to do with what we've talked about today. The altar's open. You're always welcome to come and bow in this altar. I want you to know that. It's it's, it's a sacred place. It's a special place because it's a place that's dedicated for praying. But... God will hear you right where you are. You can pray right where you are. He he will hear you. And he will honor you and hear your prayer right where you are. How long will you halt between two opinions? Maybe today you just, God's saying to you, get off the fence. Are you hot? Are you cold? Are you on? Are you off? Do one 
or the other. Quit claiming this and doing this. Quit doing, quit claiming this but living that lifestyle. Do one or the other. Get on, get off, be hot, be cold. Make a choice. And maybe that's what God's saying to you today. You've been trying to ride that fence and play that game. God says, I'm sick of it. I don't, I, it makes me sick to my stomach. Just do one or the other. Second thing is, will you be that dedicated person? That mountaintop may be where you work. That mountaintop may be your school. That mountaintop may be your community. That mountaintop could be wherever God puts you on any given day. Will you be that one dedicated life on that mountaintop? Let's pray. Lord, forgive us. Of where we've been guilty of claiming one thing and doing another, claiming to be one thing, yet living a, a different life. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of that. Lord, because I know in, in my flesh and in my brokenness, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. Lord, I pray that today we, as a body and as individuals, we say that today, Lord, I, I, you are our God. I, I don't want to even be confused with serving the others. Lord, I, I want people to know that I belong to you and you alone. That you are the master, ruler, controller of my life and that every action I take, every word I speak, every thought I think, every intent of my heart, Lord, I want it to be under your control and for your will. Lord, forgive us of where we have tried to halt between two opinions. Lord, I pray that you help us to be that Elijah on whatever Mount Carmel you've called us to, wherever that place may be where you want to show your power, you want to demonstrate how great and mighty and good you are, Lord, let us be that one that you choose to go stand in that place. That no matter what obstacles we face will stand faithful and true and proclaim your love your grace your mercy and your power so that the world can see and hear thank you for honoring the prayers that are prayed in faith lord in these next few moments do in our life what only you can do lord we we need you as my sister in Christ said earlier today, we, we are hungry and we are thirsty and we need you. Lord, only you can fill us. Do your perfect work in us in these next moments, Lord, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing together. i
follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. I lay my life down at your feet, Lord. Everything take all of me. You are worthy. You are worthy. I lay my life down at your feet, Lord. Everything take all of just to bow your head and close your eyes for a few moments as we pray together and as we consider what we've been given today and what we've been confronted with, with the, the truth of God's Word. How long will we halt between two opinions? How long? The world needs more than ever before men and women of God who love him with an unconditional love 
who are willing to march to the mountaintop and pray in faith that God do something that only God can do. We need men and women, boys and girls, to go into the workplace, into the school halls, into the communities, wherever it may be, and to live a life that's so different that no one that comes in contact with them ever has to question whether they're a believer or not. That's what we need. Father, thank you for allowing us to be in this place of worship today. Thank you, Lord, for loving us too much to let us continue being neither hot nor cold, on nor off. Thank you, Lord, for loving us too much not letting us continue to ride the fence. Lord, there's a world that hurts. There's a world that searches. They need to see a difference in us. They need to hear a difference in our words. They need to see a difference in our actions. They need to know that there's a God in heaven who transforms lives. That, Lord, when we're in the presence of those people, that they have a longing and a hunger and a desire to know the God we know. Because they see in our life the one thing that's missing in theirs, and they, they desperately want it. Thank you for those that are in this room, Lord. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their, their desire to know more of you. I pray, God, that as we leave here in just a few moments that you help us, Lord, to understand that you're calling us to go stand on that mountain and to call people's attention to your glory and your power and your majesty. Give us the faith and the courage to do just that. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. And we ask you, O oh Lord, to dismiss us with your great love. It's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As we are dismissed, don't forget if you're a nursery worker or a children's church worker, if you'll come up to the front for just a moment.